Thank you, Ben. I had a flashback in my childhood, my youth days of youth choir, James, uh, where I learned Be Thou My Vision because I had a really great youth choir director. So uh, thanks for continuing the tradition here at Brentwood. It's a joy to be here. Uh, you know, it's not often that uh, the senior pastor will let anybody else have the pulpit. Uh, so you knew it had to be an important occasion for him to be away. And uh, we're so very grateful. It, it, it occurred to me this morning that uh, on September 1, I'll begin my 10th year as your Episcopal leader. And nine of those, I think you've been blessed to have uh, Davis Chapel as your pastor. Uh, can we just say amen about that, huh? Come on, friends. I need a little, hint, need a little love here. <laughs> And you have been a gift uh, to the Tennessee Conference uh, for a, a very, very long time. And you have gifted Toy King as one of your pastors. And you are now sending her forth as a missionary from Brentwood United Methodist Church. So I want you to remember that. Think about that as she goes from this place. You have, you have blessed this conference with leaders uh, all over Tennessee and the world because you have been ascending church. And so our hearts are warmed today in a very powerful way. The, the cloud of witnesses uh, that we'll read about in just a moment uh, continues to be a part of this time. Thanks be to God. Our text today comes from uh, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament chapter 12. One of the things to note about Hebrews uh, is that the 11th chapter is the by faith chapter. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. All these greats of faith traveled. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But when you get to chapter 12, the first word of chapter 12 is therefore. So anytime you come to a therefore in scripture, you need to kind of sit up and pay attention, something important is about to be spoken. So hear these words from 1, chapter 1, 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race, the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God has been gracious and kind and has brought us this far by faith. As you continue this series of kindred hearts, my heart is warmed by the witness of Brentwood United Methodist Church. I will say to you that some of those in our cloud of witnesses, some of those in our cloud of witnesses haven't crossed over the River Jordan but are still among us. So I want you to just imagine who is in your cloud of witnesses. My mind went to 
Bob Spain and Sybil this morning. Joe and Janine Pennell. Of course, Howard Oles and Sandy, those have been among your cloud of witnesses in my memory. You have other memories of others who have been among you and still influence you either by their, your memory or your experience of their relationship with you in this time. I think about a mother, my mother's birthday is the day she died. My mother died three days after we went into lockdown in COVID-19 last year. She would be among my cloud of witnesses. I think about MYF leaders, Joanne Jernigan, Wayne and Rita Ann West, New Albany, Mississippi. I think about a junior high football coach, Lonnie Harris. I think about a Boy Scout master, B.B. McElroy. These influence me and continue to influence who I am and who I have become. Who's in your cloud of witnesses? We're surrounded by soda gated cloud of witnesses who have shown us the way through dangerous toils and snares. So as we think about these things together today, I invite you to pray with me and for me now. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter in every storm of life and our eternal home. Grant us great grace this day as we worship in spirit and in truth that we will look to you, you who are the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We give you thanks that there is around us witness, witnesses who have encouraged and strengthened us. Lord, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And we thank you for these who've gone before us, who have proclaimed the gospel in season and out of season, who have helped us be your church. And now, God, may those who gathered here hear you and not me, see you and not me. And when we leave this place, may we be so very careful to give you the praise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If you travel to Louisville, Mississippi, and go west out Highway 14, about 10 miles, you will come to a road known as Shiloh Road. If you turn left on Shiloh Road and travel approximately two miles, you will come to Center Ridge United Methodist Church. This is the church of my ancestors. My ancestors came from South Carolina, Chester, South Carolina, to Winston County, Mississippi in the 1840s. They were Presbyterians when they were in South Carolina, but there wasn't a Presbyterian church within a wagon's day drive of the home place, and so they became Methodist. I say we were predestined to be Methodist. <laughs> this was my father's home church. His pastor was the father of a well-known United Methodist pastor by the name of Jimmy Buskirk. Some of you know Jimmy Buskirk having been a professor at Candler School of Theology and other seminaries. He was a, a figure in the last 
generation of leaders in the church. But his father was the one who said to my father, have you considered God might be calling you to be a pastor? So our ancestors, you might say, the cloud of witnesses of our family came out of this little small congregation in Winston County, Mississippi. I often say had, had Brother Buskirk not began to nurture my father's call to ministry, I might be working in the Caterpillar factory in Louisville, Mississippi, rather than having gone into ministry. We don't know what these little turns and twists in our lives and our ancestors' lives mean to us in our own faith journey. These congregations, these small congregations are the heartbeat of the church and have been for over 200 years in Middle Tennessee and West Tennessee. Like many of you, perhaps your faith tradition, your faith formation comes from these smaller congregations. Like many of you, it was from the altar of that congregation that my father heard a call. Like many of you, this is the beginning place for us. Many of you have become Methodist for a variety of reasons. Perhaps it was because of the location of the church. Maybe it was the closest one in your neighborhood. Or maybe, maybe it was because you were new to the community and you happened to have a neighbor who said, we've got a great church, it's called Brentwood. Why don't you come on down and join us and you're here? Maybe it was because your children had friends at school and they, you heard about the youth program or the youth choir program and you, you wanted your children to be nurtured in a place that would love them with God's unconditional love. And you showed up, and you kept showing up. And somehow God continues to work in you and through you, and your, your life continues to be formed, and you continue to become deeper and deeper in your discipleship. I want to say to you, we didn't get here on our own. Somebody brought us. Maybe somebody brought you to the baptismal font when you were a child, an infant, and the church made promises, big promises about you and your faith and they would nurture you and watch over you in love and you are still here because somebody brought you to that font when you were a little bitty person. Or maybe I, I noticed the, the congratulatory sign out front this morning to the confirmands and maybe you came into the church through the confirmation class and, and somehow you continued that faith journey as a confirmand and you said yes to Jesus because somebody brought you. Maybe you did not know church as a child or a, a young person and, and somebody said, you know what, I've been watching you and I think you might do well to give God a chance in your life. And in that invitation, you ended up here. I invite you to think about the first time the gospel really began to make sense to you as you came along. We walk by faith, not by sight. We only have enough light in this season to see our next faithful steps and the writer of this Hebrew letter gives us some walking instructions here in the 12th chapter. This is a heavy letter. My, the, Davis and I had the same preaching professor, Fred Craddock, at Candler School of Theology. And Fred preached a sermon on this text one time. He said, this is a heavy letter. 
If you're going to mail it, you'd have to put three extra stamps on it. Of course, that dates the sermon a little bit, doesn't it? It's a heavy letter. But this is a pastor. The pastor of the Hebrew letter is trying to encourage his congregation by faith. Therefore, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Lay aside. Lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. This is a pastor. If I had only had a pastor of a church, if only my pastor had been this pastor when I was growing up, oh, I think I would have made it a little bit better. He has a heart for God and a heart for his people and his desires to encourage, to strengthen, and to challenge his congregation to deeper faithfulness. He's pointing to us. If he were writing this letter now, the, the buzzword in our culture today is resilience. This is a resilience kind of text. Don't give up. Press on. Keep looking to Jesus. Lay aside the weight and sin that clings so closely and follow Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This side, this phrase, lay aside, jumps out at me. I want to tell you there's some things today I want to lay aside. I want to lay aside the struggles we've had over the last 16 months dealing with the pandemic of COVID-19 and the pandemic of racism. I want to lay those things aside. I want to lay aside the angry and hurtful things people have said to one another about wearing masks or not wearing masks. I want to lay aside this stack of letters I have in my office from church people who aren't very happy with the bishop. We have a special file for those. <laughs> Sometimes they get incinerated. I want to lay aside the partisan politics of our country and ask the leaders of our country to do their work, to work together for what's best for everybody. I want to lay aside the sin of racism that continues to raise its head every time we seem to turn around these days. I want to lay aside the talk of schism in the United Methodist Church so that we can focus on looking to Jesus who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so this morning, I simply invite you to consider what sin God calls you to lay aside, and I want to invite you to look to Jesus. When I look to Jesus, here's what I hear him calling me to be about. I do not speak for you when I speak these words, but I am speaking specifically of the ways in which I hear God calling God's church and myself to be engaged. You might call this my own affirmation of faith. I believe as United Methodists that Jesus calls us to engage a theologically orthodox intellectually sound socially engaged holistic mission rooted in scripture centered in Christ and serving in love. Toy, you can take those three points and preach your first sermon at, next week on this if you want to. Lay aside any one of those and we're less than our calling. For, what, for that was what the life and ministry of Jesus was about. He didn't come to change the world. This may, I want you to listen to this carefully now. Jesus didn't come to change the world. He came to change the way we knew God so that then the world would change. And so when we deny Christ to anyone, we deny Christ and we bow to the world. I believe that God, that Jesus calls us daily to a deep commitment of the historic confessions of our Christian faith that's contained in the Old and New Testaments in the ancient creeds of both the Apostles' Creed, which we 
recited, spoke, prayed, responded to this morning, and the Nicene Creed. I believe Jesus calls us to experience God's radical, unconditional love that's available to everyone. I believe that Jesus invites us to live a life steeped in the power of the Holy Spirit as we listen to God's call to the mission field. That call is to bear witness to the good news of an unmerited grace that changes lives and transforms communities. I believe in the, that in John 17, when Jesus prays for unity, that prayer is as pertinent today as it was when Jesus spoke the words. Hear the words again. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am you, may you, they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given them so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. Why is this important? For the sake of the mission. His command will gather at the table this morning. His command is to gather at the, all at the table to make space for one another and look at, to, for Christ in each other, which will prevent us from creating individual tables for only those who think and act and look and perceive the world as I do. There is a danger to a single narrative. And the gospel is not a single narrative. It is a narrative rooted in the heart, mind, and soul of God through Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus calls us to move beyond naming one another in categories that divide us. I believe Jesus calls us to be one people rooted in Scripture, as I said, centered in Christ, serving in love, united in essentials. I believe our witness, best witness is to love each other as Christ loves us to show the world the power to bind us together in spite of our differences. I believe that God calls us now to be a church living our core of the Christian faith that is revealed in Scripture, that's illuminated by tradition, is vivified by personal experience, and confirmed by reason. I believe that we are called to be committed to strengthen every church, including this church, that you are going to strengthen Clark by sending Toy to Clark, and the church will be strengthened. I believe that we're called to preach Christ and him crucified, and where the table is set before all who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In just a moment, we will join in the great thanksgiving and we will say these words, make us one with Christ, make us one with each other, make us one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again. Make us one with Christ, I call that faithfulness. Make us one with each other, we call that unity. Make us one in ministry to all the world, this is fruitfulness. I invite you to join me looking to Jesus, who's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, laying aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. 
this morning when you come to receive Holy Communion. May it be a time when you come and offer yourself anew to the one who is the author and finisher, the perfecter of our faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.